0: You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org.
1: Well, everybody, we're gonna close out today uh, what we've entitled our search party, search party. And Jesus came to this planet two, nearly 2,000 years ago and he was on a, he was on a search party, Right? If you were to come up to Jesus on on any given day and you say, Jesus, Jesus, what are you doing here? He said, I have come, help me to seek and to save the lost. This is what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the lost. I wanna seek and to save the lost. Jesus, I'm on a search party. And then he went and he taught his disciples how to live on a search party. You look at the context of how Jesus was discipling his disciples. Let me ask you a question. What was Jesus discipling his disciples to do? He was discipling his disciples to reach lost people. It was like a search party. Matter of fact, it was, it was so important to Jesus that when, when Jesus goes to the cross, he gives his life. He dies a brutal and bloody death on the cross. He gives his life for you and I. He raises again from the grave and he's ascending to heaven. He turns to the disciples and says, now listen, I want you to continue the search party. When I go to heaven, I don't want you all huddled up. I don't want you all just making it about potlucks and gatherings. I want you to make it about scattering." I want you to make about reaching Vegas. people. Someone say search party. Search party. Wait, God has called us to be on a search party. And I think as we look around at where our world is today and we look at what is happening in the, in the, the generations that are following, that it is high time for the church to get on mission with Jesus, that we would make his purpose our purpose, his mission our mission, that, that this would be what we live for. Amen? Yeah. And what we've been looking at in this series is, who did Jesus go to? Like, Jesus went to the ones that you wouldn't expect. Who did Jesus go to? And I think it challenges us as a church and as a people to, to go to the ones that Jesus went to. If Jesus went to them, well, then so should we. Amen? And then it also helps us in looking at who Jesus went to because we identify with a lot of them. Like, I see myself. In Zacchaeus, I I I see myself. I, I see myself in, in in the woman caught in the very act of adultery. I, I see my Jesus would come to me. Well, today as we close out the series, I, w- I want to share with you a story of one other that Jesus went to. It's a woman in Samaria at a well. It says, "Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was." gaining and baptizing more disciples than John and although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples so he left Judea and he went back once more to Galilee and now watch this and he had to go someone say he had to go he had to he had to he had to go through Samaria next verse and we're just going to keep going through these all the way to 11 okay guys So he came to the town of Samaria called Sakaar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, he sits down by the well. And it was about noon. Someone say it's about noon. I need you to remember that. It's about noon. About noon. And a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The excuse me, the scripture throws that in there for you so you know, why, why couldn't Jesus just get his own water? Well, the disciples had gone away with this little pouch that they would carry with them to draw water out of, out of wells. There's a little pouch with a cross on top that they tie a string to, they, they lower it down, and they, they get some water. Well, Jesus doesn't have that that pouch and the disciples, because the disciples had gone to town. And then, watch this, The Samaritan woman says to him, says, hold up. Someone say, hold up. Hold up. He did, that's, what, that's what she said. She said, <laughs> woman said to him, she said, Hold up, she said, wait, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Little, little side note it says, for Jews do not associate themselves with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, watch. If you only knew, like if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She says, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did also the sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and says, listen, everyone who drinks of this water, someone say this water. water. Yeah, yeah, this water. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus has got her attention. So she says to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to come here and drink water. She's still on the physical plane talking about physical things and physical water, right? And Jesus begins to masterfully move her from the physical things and physical thirst to spiritual things and spiritual thirst. And he says to her, go and call your husband. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Jesus, can, Jesus, where's this water? Can I get some water? She says, I'll, I'll lead you right to that water. Go get your husband. And come back. She says, uh, I have no husband, she replies. And Jesus says to her, you are right to say that you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands and the man that you are now living with is not your husband. You have indeed said that it is true. And she says, sir, the woman says, I can see that you're a prophet. (laughs) I can see that you're a prophet. It tells us that Jesus, everybody, he, he had to go through Samaria. Like, he, he had to go. Someone say he had to go. Like, he had to go through, listen, Samaria. Now, when you and I read that, it's just like, okay, Jesus went through Samaria. But the original readers of John's gospel For them, this would have absolutely jumped off the page because no good Jew ever had to go to Samaria. No good Jew would ever go through Samaria. No good Jew would be caught dead in Samaria, would be near Samaria. Why? Because there's those people in Samaria. The people you don't hang with, you don't talk to, the people that are so far gone, they're so distant from God, they're in rebellion, you just don't go to Samaria. So here's what would happen, and I think I have it for the, for the screen, if we bring that up and you throw me on the side there. Here's what would happen. Is Jesus is down in Ephraim, you see that? Down in the region of, of Judea. And he's traveling all the way up to Nazareth. And the shortest distance is through this whole region right there where Jacob's well is called Samaria. Well, every good Jew, when they would go up to, from Ephraim up to uh, Nazareth, every good Jew wouldn't go through Samaria. They would completely avoid it. And look at that. Do you see that alternate route? Everyone see the alternate route. What they would do is, is they would go across the Jordan River, walk all out of their way, and then cross back over the Jordan River, adding all this mileage to what would be just a short trip. They go around Samaria, avoiding Samaria. Why are they avoiding Samaria? Because everybody listen, there's Samaritans in Samaria, and the Jews absolutely hate the Samaritans. And you could take that map down. Because you see, the Samaritans are those people The Samaritans are so far gone. The Samaritans are so outside of God's will. The the Samaritan, come on, they're those people. And any of you know those people? Watch, the Jews, to the Jew, the Samaritans were culturally and ethically offensive. So you need to understand the background. 700 BC, the Assyrians invade the northern kingdom of Israel. And they take some of them captive. They they invade this area of Samaria, the Assyrians do. And they they take some people captive. And at the same time, when the Assyrians invaded this area, they... The Assyrian king left in that area some of his troops and 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 some of his people. Okay, so now you've got in the area of Samaria, you've got Jews that are living with uh, some Assyrians. Okay, and now this Assyrian king begins to go out and he's conquering other lands and he's he's growing his territory. And as he does, he would take some of the people from those lands and he would send them to guess where Samaria. Okay. And so now in Samaria, you, you kind of have this, this hodgepodge of, of people. You got all these different types of people that are, are, are living in this area uh, of, of Samaria. And what begins to happen is that the people of Samaria begin, or the people, the Jews that were living in Samaria, begin to intermingle and intermarry with these Assyrians. And that's a really big deal to the Jewish people. Why? Why would that be such a big deal to the Jewish people? Well, what did God promise the Jewish people? That through their bloodline, the Messiah would come, right? And so here's these Jews that have the audacity to go and mingle the purity and the bloodline of the Jewish people. Like, how dare you go and and intermarry? And you know what I mean? What are you thinking, right? And so now you would have a half Jew and half Uh, a Syrian, and we would call that, and they called that a a Samaritan. And so the Jews were so frustrated with these people because, one, they were polluting the bloodline. The second thing is they were so frustrated because, (laughs) Siri's trying to talk to you guys, everybody, just so you know. Okay, that's funny. (laughs) Siri's like, I got something to say. So first of all, they're polluting the bloodline, so that's why the Jews wouldn't talk to them. Secondly, they began to take on the idolatry of the other nations because as these other nations, these people from all over the place were moving in, they were also moving in with their religion, they're moving in with their gods, and so they began to take on some of the idolatry and the beliefs of of these other nations, and that's the second reason that a good Jew would never go to that region. And the third reason is this: is that when the Jews who had been taken captive out of Samaria. Were released to return to Samaria. When they showed up, they claimed that they were the true Jew, okay, and that and they taught that Jerusalem is not really where God wanted to be worshipped. And so, if you are a Jew from Jerusalem, this is your arch nemesis. This is your enemy. These are these are the people who have. I, I wish I could help you understand like how. Frustrated, a good Jewish Bible believing, you know, I love God person thinks about these people, like how frustrated they are. It's like you could not go to a further extreme in rebellion against God. These people are so lost. They're, there's like, it's like, like you would say, there's no hope for this whole area. There's just no hope. I mean, all the way to the point where there's a Jewish proverb that taught. That he who eats bread with a Samaritan is like one who eats the flesh of swine. And to a Jewish person, that's just like as bad as it gets. It's the place you avoid at all costs. And you know, everybody, listen, I think that we're in danger and maybe we have, I think we have, created our own Samarias. Like we've got Samarias, you know, we've got We've got some people that you just think, they're gone. They're obviously in open rebellion against God. They, they're, they've they got different beliefs than me, they got different views on sexuality than me, they they got different approach to relationship and life. They've got, they, these people are so far gone that there's just no hope. The only thing I can do is just avoid them, that even in the, the Jewish mindset, that they were avoiding them for the honor of God. This glorifies God because God wouldn't want me associating with them or hanging with them because if I'm associating with them or hanging with them or talking to them, well, then maybe I'm condoning what they're doing and it's all okay. And and so they would just absolutely remove themselves. And I think everybody today were in danger of doing that in so many ways and in, in, in so many places. I mean, the Jews literally could not think any lower of the Samaritans. I mean, who are those people in your mind? who are those people in the mind of the church whether it's those that that have been struggling and maybe some of you in here who have you felt this from the church you struggling with you know uh, tendencies toward homosexuality or lgbtq plus and all the rest gender dysphoria you're wrestling and struggling with those things and 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 and, and you're trying to wade your way through those things and maybe it's something that's maybe maybe it's a, a A label that's been given to you, and and you feel like you're even maybe even sitting here, and you feel like this whole church business and the people of this world, they don't do anything but reject me. They want nothing to do with me. They, They 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 they. they despise me. Maybe maybe something you've done in your past has, has marked you and you feel like what has marked you has now uh, ostracized you from, from this community, this church thing, whether it's uh, uh, some sin you fell into or a regret that you have. Maybe it's a, a divorce you've been through or a broken and, and you feel like as though you've been marked by this church thing. And you find yourself kind of living in this Samaria. Jesus shows up and goes, listen, disciples, we must go to Samaria. I'm going to teach you how to not walk around the Jordan River to avoid Samaria. I'm going to teach you how to walk right into Samaria. Sit down at a well in Samaria. Talk to a woman in Samaria that is thirsty and in desperate need of living water. Jesus wants to lead, come on church, you to Samaria. So I'll get you there. Spoiler alert. Jesus leads you to Samaria, okay? So first point for taking notes, Jesus goes to Samaria, okay? Did you just need to know that? Jesus is thinking about Samaria all the time. Jesus goes to Samaria. But here's the second thing you write down, right? Is that Jesus wants to lead you to Samaria. Oh, church, listen, please. Jesus says, I must go through Samaria. Disciples, I'm going to lead you to Samaria. Church, he said, I'm going to lead you to Samaria. Oh, I follow Jesus. Anyone follow Jesus in here? You follow Jesus? I follow Jesus. All right. I got a couple hands in there. I got, <clears throat> we're going to do a salvation that everyone gets saved today. Here we go. So you follow Jesus? Guess what? Look at me, everybody. You know where he's going to lead you? If you follow, you declare that you're going to follow Jesus, well, you're going to follow him right to Samaria. Because that's where, that's where he, that's what he's thinking about. Can you imagine the disciples when Jesus said, hey, everybody, we must go through Samaria. Hey, did he say Samaria? And, and they go, I don't know. I think he said Samaria. You go ask him. No, you go ask him. No, you go. And they go, Jesus, did you say Samaria? Because I said Samaria. And they all went, say what? you said samaria jesus we don't go to samaria i don't know if you know but those people are in samaria and i don't know if you know but like i don't think god wants us to go to samaria and jesus is like if you're gonna follow me you're gonna follow me into samaria and like jesus there's trouble in samaria there's trouble people in samaria we get like your hubcaps get stolen in samaria jesus like (laughs) they're gonna take my rims jesus like we don't and Jesus is like, today you're going with me to Samaria. Now listen, why? Because there's a woman there at a well there who's about to, listen, have her life changed there. Now listen, when you follow Jesus to Samaria, when he leads you to Samaria, and he's going to, whenever he leads you to Samaria, it's because God wants to work in Samaria, change lives in Samaria. God wants to start like a movement in Samaria. Hey, hey spoiler alert, there was a woman there at a well that was deeply thirsty, that comes to know Jesus and becomes an evangelist to Samaria. Do you know why, like you go back and you look at like, man, I wish I had more time to preach, but we're gonna, okay. When you go back and you look at like the, we, honey, everyone saw the movie. <laughs> if not, you're gonna go see it. The Jesus Revolution, right? And, and what you see is broken, hurting Samaria people who come to know Jesus and are running around going, hey, I was just sitting there like a day ago. See, I'm not saying I'm better than you, and I'm not saying, here's what I'm saying, is that I'm, I happen to be a hungry person too, but I happen to find some bread. And I just wanna show you where the bread is. And if he had bread for me, I know he's got some bread for you. And you have all these people just running, and this is what's happening with this woman. Is that she comes to know Jesus and, and spoiler alert, we're not gonna get all into it because I don't got enough time today, but she becomes a radical evangelist to Samaria. Every time God leads you to Samaria, it's because he wants to work in Samaria. Man, I think God is about to break loose with the work in Samaria in our world. And I want a front row seat. I want a front row seat. Do do you know that this is where, look, let me help you real quick with with some theology, right? We love this. The fields are what? Say it with me. Right. The fields are, right. The fields are, he would say, white unto harvest. Oh, let's preach that all day long. Okay, so we're gonna all preach about how the fields are white unto harvest, white unto harvest, white unto harvest. Okay, now listen. Where were the fields white unto harvest? Do you know where Jesus first said that? Right here in Samaria. Right after he led this woman to Jesus, she went to go get a bunch of other broken, hurting people who'd been cast out by the church, and they come running to see Jesus, and he lifts his eyes and he says, you know that they say the, the harvest is in this season and that season, but I say to you, the fields are wide to harvest right now. He's standing in Samaria with broken and hurting people who are lost and confused and thirsty. And he says, this is where the fields are wide under harvest. You wanna see a harvest? Get yourself to Samaria. When God leads you to Samaria, it's because he's working in Samaria, everybody. I don't think you fully realize what's waiting for you in Samaria. Like there are souls waiting to be saved in Samaria. Stories waiting to be told in Samaria. Lives waiting to be changed. Your life is gonna be used. If you just be willing to go to Samaria, you're going to make a difference there. If you just be willing to go there. Go where? Oh, oh, you know, there. You got to go there. The place is outside your comfort zone. Like, this is God leading us to the places and the people that others may never even consider going to. It's sitting face-to-face with the people who've been labeled, maybe those who we've tried to avoid. It's sitting down and having some real honest conversations. This is, you know, sure, we, we can create our little bubbles and try to keep ourselves safe and cozy, but when you're following Jesus, you're going to have to break outside of that religious routine and start going to some area and getting yourself around some people that are actually really, really thirsty, okay? So instead of avoiding Samaria, Jesus puts himself in the middle of it. Let me say it to you this way. We simply cannot leave the frayed parts of our society to their own devices. The church is a change agent. We don't sit idly by. Okay, God is calling you to Samaria. It's the messy, challenging places that Jesus loves to lead us. It's the places that push you, listen, just outside your comfort zone. You got a comfort zone? Yep, you do. We all do. Here's the people I'm comfortable talking to and here's the people I'm comfortable associating with and here's the people, here's the And we got this little comfort zone that we put all around us. And when God shows up, he go I'm gonna I'm a push you just a little bit outside your comfort zone. Yeah. I, oh, I promise you, you watch this week. You look around and God's gonna put all around you some people that you need to invite to Easter on Sunday that are gonna be all outside your comfort zone. God, God here's what you're gonna say. Is God, I don't go there. And he's gonna say, go where? Samaria? You don't go to Samaria? Oh, you want to see your life used? You better get yourself to Samaria. Yeah. You see, outside our comfort zone. Church, whenever God, you, know, you don't like this. I know you don't, but it's just reality. Is that when God wants to stretch you and teach you and use you, he's going to ask you to go to Samaria. It's, it's, it's outside our comfort zone. And so it's not comfortable there, but it's miraculous there. You want to see miraculous? Get a little uncomfortable. Matter of fact, I say most ministry, most radical movements that we've seen all happen outside of the church's comfort zone. So where's, where's your Samaria? Can I, can I pry just a little bit? Where's your Samaria? So maybe, maybe it's some people you need to share your faith with. Come on, like, you need to share your faith. This is get real simple. You need to share your faith. And you're gonna go, I don't go there. That's your, that, if you go, I don't go there, that's, ding, ding, that's your Samaria, right? Like, I, I don't go there, okay? Well, listen, I'm gonna tell you, unfortunately, you're not the only one that thinks that way. Do you know that only 41% of, of those associated with mainline churches have ever shared their faith? Only 41%, listen to this, only 90% of um, Uh, 90% of all professing Christians have never led another person to Christ. 90% 90% Ninety percent of all professing Christians have never led another person to Christ. Think about what would happen if 90% of all professing Christians have led a person to Christ. Think about what would happen if 90% of all professing Christians said, although it's uncomfortable and I don't, I don't typically go there, I'm gonna go there this week. I'm gonna go there tomorrow. I'm gonna go every opportunity. I'm gonna get. Can I just tell you, listen, this is what God's doing. He's going, where's your Samaria? I'm gonna, we're gonna, the things that you, have avoided, and even maybe have justified avoiding, I'm not good at this. Do you think that God goes, oh yeah, you're right. You're not good at this. (laughs) If being, if being, or I'm not, I don't got my stuff, I don't got my stuff together. You think God goes, oh yeah, you're right, you're a mess. You probably shouldn't share with other people who are a mess because they don't wanna, if if not being in a mess was the qualification to share faith, there wouldn't be a pulpit filled with a person in America. Come on, you know what I mean? Like, like God goes, just, we come with all these excuses and God goes, no, 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 just go to Samaria. Yeah. And you, you need to share your faith. Right? Is there anyone in your life that's close to you but far from God? Anyone that, has, but, but, that God potentially wants to reach? Listen, pay attention to that place because, because God wants to use you in that place. There's a field that's widened to harvest in that place. And I'm telling you, if you would just go to that place, you're gonna come back to me with a story. of You gotta get to Samaria. Some of you, maybe it's letting, let's just start real simple. It's just letting someone know you're a Christian. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, uh, I'm just trying to get real basic, everybody. The things that God wants to push you into, the areas you keep, we want to avoid, but God says, no, I'm going to lead you right there. You know, I, I don't normally do that. I don't normally let people know I'm a Christian, you'd say. I, I think so many of us love God. There's so many people in the church that love God. Come on, we go to church on the weekends, but then we hide it all week. Yeah. Like, you, you love God on the weekend, but you just are hoping no one finds out during the week. So you, you get into conversations. Come on, I know. I mean, you get into conversations and you're not thinking like, how can I work Jesus into this? You're thinking, how can I get out of this without them knowing that I'm one of those Christian people? Like, flip it. Instead of going into a conversation going, how can I get out of this without go into the conversation going, okay, I'm gonna look for an i am I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go there. Someone say go there. I'm going to go there. And so I'm going, to, I'm going to find a way to work in the fact that, yeah, I'm one of those. I go to church. I love Jesus. I've got a testimony. I, come on. Yeah. Try it. Ask, ask somebody. Go, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Let them tell you what they're doing this weekend. And you're, I know. Come on. We just, you're hope, I'm hoping they ask me what I'm doing this weekend. And what she can say is, I'm going to church. So let them know, let your light shine a little bit. Hide it under a bushel? No, gonna let it shine. Hey, start telling people. Just just giving these baby steps. Just start telling people you're praying for them. They're walking through something. You know, I want you to know something. Hey, I'm gonna be praying for you. All of a sudden, you're letting that light shine. You're 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 moving yourself into territory you've you've maybe not moved yourself into before. So maybe some of you you gotta you 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 gotta start sharing your faith with some people. Others, you, you can just let people know you're Christian. Hey, I think some of us, listen, you need to invite some people to church. Yeah. Do you know that 82% of the unchurched would at least consider attending church if they were invited? 73% of people who don't attend church say that they've simply never been invited. Well, why haven't they been invited? Well, because they're those people, and because, you know, and if you, you know they, I, they probably don't want to go to church. Their mouth, and they're this, and their belief here, and their belief hey, how about you love on them so much, and you just don't be weird that they go, man, Christians are kind of cool, and maybe I want to hang out with some more. You know what I mean? If all we're doing is condemning people, condoning people, and walking around people, and avoiding people, and then you try to invite them to the headquarters of those people, they're like, I don't want to go to those headquarters. I don't want to. I want to be as far away from this church thing as possible. But if you're always loving on them and caring for them, how are they gonna know that God is loving unless you're loving? How are they gonna know that God is merciful unless you're merciful? Hey, how are they gonna know that God is forgiving unless you're forgiving? If all of a sudden you're just letting some Jesus spill out of you, they might be attracted enough to the church to show up when you invite them. Do you know Easter's coming, everybody? I'm telling you, there is no better time to invite some people to church than Easter, okay? Get them here this Easter. Every one of you, I'm putting you on the hook right now. You're bringing, you're bringing minimum two. And you just, you decide your maximum. But you're, you're sitting with two people in church next Sunday on Easter. You're gonna pray for them. Come on, there's someone at work this week you're gonna see that God's already, right now while I'm talking, you've already got their name on your mind. Why? Because that's the Samaria God's got. Come on, God, I don't know normally talk to them. And God, I don't, like, no, you are this week. And they're gonna come to church, they're gonna sit in, and you're gonna pray, and you're gonna watch them. When I give that salvation call, they're gonna give their life yeah. to Jesus in that place. You're gonna yeah. be a part of that story. And you're gonna look up and go, the fields are wide in the harvest." What? You just went to where the harvest is. See, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray that to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into the harvest field. Where was he standing? In Samaria. Pray that God would send some people here. Man, we gotta go there, everybody. So, and it's not just everybody. It's not just, hey, you should come to church with me someday, day, day, day. That's how people, you should come to church with me someday, day, day, day. No, you do this. Hey, how about you show up to church with me on Easter weekend? I, I don't know, I'll pick you up. I'll pick you up. I'll pick you up for the, for, the, for, the, for the 930 service. I'll pick you up at 9. We'll come at 930. I'm going to introduce some people. Right, I'll pick you up. Oh, they got a car and they can get here. This says, hey, I'll meet you at the 930. I'll meet you at the I'll meet you. I'll meet you. I'll be waiting for you. I got some people. Right. They invite people to church like that. Okay. It's not some day, day, day. I hope you. Okay. Someone say deal. Deal. Maybe some area uh, for you, maybe where God is calling you is just outside your comfort zone and, and maybe it's God's calling you to get involved. Okay. So some of you might say, I, I don't normally do that. I don't normally do that. I, I walk around that, but as a church, listen over the next several weeks, it, we're, we're moving in the next several weeks to an area that's going to help us reach Samaria in a way like never before. Yeah. Okay. And in order to reach Samaria, it's going to take a lot of you getting into your area. Come on, that'll preach. <laughs> We're going to reach Samaria. How? When you get in your area. I'm going to say it this way. Look, everything. When we came to plant this church, I fully, God whispered to Tatum and I, that we weren't going to come start a work, but that God was doing a work and he was simply inviting us into it. I believe we've seen just a very small percentage of the work that God wants to do. Amen? Now listen, if we're going to see the work that God wants to do, we got to play the part that God's given us to play. If I'm not playing the part that God's given me to play, I can't see the work that God's wanting to do. Everything, everything that God has called us to do as a church, everything he's about to do in our church, every every soul saved, every lost kid coming home, every addiction broken, every, listen, everything we're about to see God do in our church, watch, is seen when the people of God's church just play the part that God's given them to do within the church. It's like if everyone had a piece of a puzzle, and we're going, "What does the puzzle look like?" You're never going to see it until so every little piece of the puzzle plays its part within the puzzle. You step back and go, "Oh, that's what the designer had in mind." I can never see that until so that little piece that just keeps hiding over there. You remember that? You guys are you know you done puzzles. Where's that piece? Now I wonder where's that piece. You see, some of us have just got to get into the area. Jesus goes to Samaria. Amen? Yeah. And if you're following Jesus, he's gonna follow you into Samaria. Yeah. And I wanna to talk to those of you as we close. Listen, you need to hear this. Jesus will meet you in Samaria. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus sits down at a well and he's waiting for his disciples who've gone to town and, they take, and, and, and they've taken with them that little pouch. Yeah. <clears throat> he's got nothing to draw the water with. It's, it's noon. Some say it's noon. It's noon. It's noon. <coughs> Excuse me. And here comes this woman. It's noon. Now, that's significant. Can you go with me to Palm Springs in the middle of summer? Okay. When do you, you live in Palm Springs in the middle of summer, when do you do your chores? Either early in the morning or late at night, not at noon. Thank you for that, Elias. That's like obvious, okay? No one goes out at noon. It's ridiculous. It's a dry heat, I know, but it's ridiculous. It ain't that Mississippi heat, come on. No one goes at noon. So typically in the morning, all the women of the village would come together in the morning, they'd meet They'd walk down there and the time at the well was like socializing hours. They'd hang out and they they would spend time with one another. They'd help each other, draw water. And it was kind of a gathering in the morning that would happen all the time. But here comes this woman all by herself at noon. And there's something going on there, you see. There's some reason that she's trying to avoid all the other women. There's, There's something she's gotten herself into that's left her as an outcast. There's something that's made her not welcome with the other ladies in the village. But when she shows up at noon, Jesus is waiting for her. And he says to her, give me a drink. And this is crazy, right? Like she, she even says this is crazy. She's like, what are you doing talking to me? I'm a, I'm a Samaritan, I'm a woman. You're breaking all sorts of cultural bounds. What in the world are you even doing in Samaria right now? And now you're asking for a, for a drink? Why are you asking me for a drink? And then Jesus answered her. The reason I'm asking you for a drink is because I'm not thirsty, but you're thirsty. If you knew, this is what he says. If you knew who it was that's asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. Out of the innermost being would flow torrents of living water. Jesus is trying to help draw her to this understanding that that she's thirsty. He says, go get your husband. And she says, sir, I don't have a husband. He says, that's right. And watch what he does. He's meeting her, watch, at the point of her deepest brokenness, at at, at her deepest shame. Probably the thing that has got her ostracized from the rest of the community. Because you see, and that day, only a wealthy Roman woman was a, allowed to initiate divorce. So what that tells us is that this poor girl went from one rejection by one man. She couldn't initiate it. She was actually cast out. Time, put her hope in another guy, cast out again and again and again. And again. And she's so over this whole thing. She's so broken that she's like, forget it. I'm just going to shack up. Hey, we're not going to get too serious. Why? I'm just tired of being rejected. I'm tired of being hurt. She's, she's by herself lonely and broken and hurt. And she comes to this well. And Jesus is waiting for her. Listen to me. He sees everything. He knows. He knows what she's hurting. It was hurting his heart. He knows the rejection. Listen, he knows and sees her sin. He, he knows and, and he sees her struggle. He, he sees her brokenness. He sees her desperation. He sees everything the villagers saw and more. He sees it all, and yet He chooses to sit with her. Gosh, it just—how do we see a little and be like, "Can't go there"? Jesus, is like, I have to go there. I, I'm going to find her. Why? Because she's thirsty. Listen, I want to talk to you. Look, look, Jesus sees all of it. I need you to know that. He knows everything you struggle with, every mistake you've made, every choice, every regret. He sees the label that you've been labeled with. He sees everything that's been said about you. He sees all of it, all the dark secrets, the things you try to hide. He sees it all, and I want you to know this, yet he chooses to come to you because he loves you more than you could ever imagine. Even if every religious person in every religious church has done everything they could to avoid you, Jesus makes a beeline to you. His eyes are on you. See, because listen, I'm gonna close with this. He does not see the way that others choose to see today. See, today people see this group and that group and this label and that label and homosexuality and gender confused and blah, 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 blah. And we see all these labels and all. Jesus doesn't see the way we see. Jesus just sees thirsty people. Thirsty for more than what the world has to offer. Like looking to find fulfillment in things that can never fulfill them. And he's like, I have to get to them. Because if I don't get to them, how in the world are they gonna ever discover the only thing that'll ever fulfill them? And so Jesus says to her, he says, listen, drink of this water and you will thirst again. Girl, you keep coming back here, it's never gonna get any better. You're just gonna keep yourself thirsty. But if you drink of me, of the water that I offer you everything's about to change for you honey if you come to me behold old things are passed away and all things have become new if you come to me listen listen girl what have you been turning to how's it working for you hey why don't you go get that thing get your husband what is he doing? He's going, go get the place of your deepest brokenness. Go, go get the things that you've been running to thinking that they'd fulfill you. Go get the, the water of this world. Go get, go get the things that, that you're ashamed of. Go get the things that have embarrassed you. Go get the things you've been labeled by. Go, go, go get those things. And how about you bring them to me and I'm gonna exchange those things for this thing, right? Let's talk about the things that keep over-promising and under-delivering how about you turn from those and turn instead to me? And that's what repentance is. Repentance is choosing. No matter where you are, no matter what well water you've been drinking out of or whatever you've been turning to, repentance is simply the moment where you say, God, I am done turning to this water and I'm choosing instead to drink of you, to turn to you, to surrender to you. He says, if you simply knew the gift, you would ask and I will give. You would ask and I would give. Thank you, God, that he makes himself available to every single one of us. Amen? Amen. And not just us. The gospel isn't just for me. It's for those people in Samaria that are sitting in your office this week. For the people that are standing behind you in line at Trader Joe's, the, the people that, that you drive by and kind of, oh, and it, no, it's for them. You watch what God's about to do in California. I tell you, he loves this state. I want a front row seat. In Jesus' name.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us.